Welcome back to the Footnotes Podcast, a podcast of Study the Great Books. I am your host, Jacob Ali. And today I want to add a footnote on the book Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius was a Roman emperor who reigned from 161 to 180 AD. Uh, he's known by many historians to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Roman emperors when it comes to just rule and uh, fairness with his people. He is also kind of the last one in a chain of what are known as the five good emperors. And after him, the Roman Empire uh, certainly does seem to go into a kind of decline. Uh, a lot of people will consider Marcus Aurelius to have been a significant persecutor of Christians. Uh, and this is probably mainly due to, due to the influence of Fox's Book of Martyrs, which says, indeed, he was quite heinous in that way. And yet earlier sources like Irenaeus, who was Bishop of Lyons, or Tertullian also, uh, refer to him in much more uh, friendly terms. Tertullian actually refers to him as a protector, and uh, Irenaeus talks about how they can kind of, without fear, travel wherever they want to during the time of his reign. And so this seems to be the, the earlier sources that talk about the time of the reign of Marcus Aurelius. And the Christians seem to think fairly well of him, so it does not seem to uh, sync with what the later work, the Fox's Book of Martyrs, which was written, I think, around 1500 or so, um, had actually said about that. So nevertheless, uh, this book, Meditations, is a work of Stoic philosophy. It's somewhat autobiographical, uh, especially the first book here. He talks about essentially the good qualities that he gained from various people who uh, influenced him as he was growing up as a young man. And so I want to take just a little bit of time to point out a few of the things he says and then reflect a little bit on the practice of what he's actually done here. So he talks about his uh, grandfather, Werus, and he says that he learned from him good morals and the government of my temper. So in other words, he learned of him to be a virtuous person and in particularly a temperate person who governed his own passions and desires. He talks about from the reputation and remembrance of his father, he learned modesty and manly character. Uh, and, and by the way, he says that he's indicating the fact that his father died while he was very young and really uh, didn't have the chance to raise him himself. And yet the reputation of his father is well known. And um, from him, he still gained some good qualities that he could look to the in remembrance of his father and be like him. Uh, his mother taught him piety and beneficence. Uh, she also taught him simplicity in the way of living far removed from the habits of the rich. So although he would have obviously had access to quite a bit of wealth and luxury, uh, his mother taught him to live more simplistic, to live uh, more like just a normal person. And that seems to have benefited him greatly. He also talks about his great-grandfather, who uh, taught him not to have frequented the public schools and to have good teachers at home and to know that on such things a man should spend liberally. So uh, amen to that, right, as a private <laughs> private educator. Uh, but no, the idea that education, uh, to, to learn wisdom, to get wisdom and insight, as Solomon would say, it's hard to put a price on that. We should pursue that um, with a great passion and be willing to sacrifice some to gain uh, knowledge and wisdom. Uh, so let's see, who else does he talk about? He talks about a man named Rusticus, and Rusticus taught him a number of good things, among them which uh, to be easily disposed, to be pacified and reconciled as soon as they have shown a readiness to be reconciled. So to have an attitude of being quick to forgive, being ready to make peace, 
certainly a good quality, a quality that um, our Christian faith and the letters of the Apostle Paul would certainly uh, have much to say in agreement with. Uh, he also, from Rusticus, uh, learned to read carefully and to not be satisfied with a superficial understanding of a book. And indeed, that is an important quality, to be able to uh, give yourself over to a book and take the time to truly understand what it has to say. Obviously, assuming it's a good book and worth your time, because there are plenty that are not. But uh, at this time, books were not published so superfluously as they are these days. Uh, but when we do lay our hands on a great book, a, a book worthy of reading, a book that's been handed down for centuries, for instance, we really ought to take the time to study it carefully and mine its truths and jewels and goodness out of it. Uh, let's see, what else does he say here? So he learned from a man named Sextus to tolerate ignorant persons and those who form opinions without consideration. Boy, if ever that advice were relevant, it's relevant today, uh, especially for those of us who spend any time on social media. And yet it's uh, it's indeed a good notion, right, that we ought to be tolerant of ignorant persons. So we shouldn't be so quick to uh, to lash out in anger or hatred uh, or even irritation, but to listen to people and then do our best to offer truth and to help them to come along and to think carefully about issues that matter. Uh, Alexander, the grammarian. He says he learned from him to refrain from fault finding and not in a reproachful way to chide those who uttered any barbarous or solicistic or strange sounding expression, but dexterously to introduce the very expression that ought to have been used and in the way of answer or giving confirmation or joining in an inquiry about the thing itself, not about the word or by some other fit suggestion. I have a few grammarian friends I would like to pay careful attention to what was just said there, because <laughs> it's so easy, right, to hear somebody say something that that's not quite right and pick on that uh, in a way that could belittle them or make them feel small. So he's, he says he's learned this idea of being able to, in conversation, kind of bring the truth forward and correct in a way that doesn't seem like being corrected. Um, and so that uh, everybody can learn and yet not be embarrassed. So what an idea. Love that. Um, what else do we have here? We have Severus, not Severus Snape. I know you want it to be Severus Snape, but <laughs> it's not Severus Snape. So from Severus, he learned uh, about a polity, that is a, a kind of political rule, in which there is the same law for all. A polity administered with regard to equal rights and equal freedom of speech, and the idea of a kingly government that respects most of all the freedom of the governed. Wow, there's some ideas that if you've studied our own American Constitution should sound very, very familiar and indeed very good. Um, so you can see just in, in that few words why, um, why Marcus Aurelius was indeed one of the greatest Roman emperors if he held true to some of those ideas saying that you know, all people should be held to the same standard of law that all people should have the right and ability to speak their mind without fear of being punished for doing so. Um, these are indeed very, very important ideas and our, um, our own government today needs to pay attention to them very closely. Um, beyond that, what do we have? So we have um, from his adoptive father. So as we mentioned, his uh, biological father died when he was very young, but from his adoptive father, he learned quite a few things of note. Uh, one of them being unchangeable resolution in the things that he had determined after due deliberation. In other words, to think carefully, hard, take the time necessary to make a decision about what's right and what should, should be done, 
and then to stick to it and not waver. That is definitely a good plan. Uh, beyond that, he also talks about um, learning uh, to be prudent and to have economy in the exhibition of public spectacles and the construction of public buildings in his donations to the people and in all such things, for he was a man who looked to what ought to be done, not to the reputation that is got by man's acts. That's almost worth reading again as we think about our modern political situation and the people who uh, are leading our nation right now uh, who are ready to spend as much money as possible to have the good opinion of their constituents uh, rather than thinking about what is good, what ought to be done, what is best for the people, uh, not just what will make them popular and keep them in office. So there are many things more that I could point out that he says here, but I do want to point out that by the end of book one, he also takes time to be thankful to the gods. Um, so it is interesting that he notes that it is because of the gods and only because of the gods that he has had access to so many good people in his life. He recognizes that much of uh, the benefit that he has received are, are things that by no means he could have provided for himself so it was only the good favor of the gods that allowed him to have all of these good qualities because of all the good people that he was fortunate enough to be around. So as we just reflect briefly on book one of meditations, I think it's worth saying that um, this is a good thing to do, to stop and take time to take stock of our own life and the influences in our life and whom we should be grateful to for the influence they've had on us. Um, I can think back and obviously look at my mother and father and, and the way they taught me to love Christ and taught me to love his word. I, I remember my father, um, I would often come out in the evening and I would see my father reading the Bible, right? I just had that pretty regular and constant witness of my dad reading the Bible, you know? Uh, so it taught me to be uh, somebody who valued God's word. And, you know, I can think about my youth minister that I had when I was uh, 15, 16, 17, and the major impact he had on me and, and teaching me to be a person of worship, uh, the model he set for me uh, in, in loving his wife and, and the way I just saw a lot of good qualities there. Um, and obviously, you can spend a lot of time talking about a lot of things just like that. But all of us should. All of us should stop and take stock of whom we should be grateful to God for having placed in our life, because um, many of that, many of those things are completely out of our control. And so if we have been blessed with people, uh, parents, grandparents, teachers, um, what have you, friends, right? We should definitely take time to give thanks to God about that. Um, one last reflection on this is that I also couldn't help but think a little bit of Augustine's Confessions in reading uh, the first book of this, Meditations. Uh, there's some similar tone, just being able to reflect back over one's life and uh, to give thanks to God for it. Of course, in, in Aurelius's case, he's thanking the gods for it. Nevertheless, there are some similarities in their tone of gratefulness uh, for all that has been a part of their life and uh, for those things which they themselves have absolutely no control over, no responsibility for, and yet have been able to enjoy all those blessings all the same. So, uh, this is just, uh, again, just a short reflection on book one of Aurelius's Meditations, uh, but I am very much enjoying reading the book so far and hope that you will pick up a copy too and check it out. Thanks for joining us on the Footnotes podcast. We'll catch you next time.